Amen. Notice I haven't left. You're stuck with me tonight. Amen. Y'all pray for Pastor when he's gone, do you not? Amen. Every single day. Thank you, Jordan. And it's, it's, uh, it's always so incredible to hear the things that happen when he goes overseas and the team that goes with him, Eric and Andrew's with him this time. Always incredible stuff that happens. So we're looking forward to hearing about that. But we're going to get into the Word anyways tonight. Amen? Amen. So turn to somebody and say, I'm glad to see you. Tell them, let them know you're glad to be with them in the house of the Lord tonight. I'm glad to be here. Track season started. I say this every year. Track season started. I'm, I'm a track coach at Jackson Center High School. It's my, my yearly venture of working with kids who sign up for a sport that they run every day that hate to run. So that's what I do. And, uh, but, and you know, big milestone today. This is really cool. Big milestone. My daughter got her driver's license. So cool. She drove, she drove herself to school by herself for the first time today. So I, I felt this overwhelming sense of freedom today. You know what I'm saying? It's just like my, lap, my, my oldest two are in college. So my daughter's in 10th grade, got her driver's license. I no longer have to run her nowhere. It's incredible. So it's like, hey, I got volleyball practice tonight. Yeah, see you later. I don't have to ask details anymore. It's awesome. They just, just come home later. That's just, it's so fun. Now, I know some of you be like, you'll miss this later. You know, I, I, I agree. I will. But right now, just roll with me. This is awesome. So no more driving people around. And I'm, I'm free. It's great. So I'm enjoying this. But uh, she's growing up fast. You know, my, I mean, you know my daughter, Hope. She's just like the sweetest thing ever. Too sweet, I think so. But anyways, she's a good girl. Uh, guys know, not this Sunday, but next Sunday, time change is coming. Is that right? A week from Sunday? It's like my wife's favorite day of the year when we get more light. I think it's a week from Sunday, March 10th, maybe. So that's coming. How many of y'all ready for spring? Ready for warm? Yeah. I know my track athletes are ready for spring. They're outside. We make them run outside. You know, if it's snowing and ice, we just say, don't fall down. Just, just keep running, you know. So they're excited when it gets warm out. And, uh, but anyway, uh, spring, to be a reminder, God is in the business of bringing forth new things. Is he not? God is in the business of bringing forth new things. Amen. So let that be a reminder as we head into spring when, 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 when it starts to warm up and the flowers start to pop and the trees start to, to bud and leaves start to come forth. You, you know, before scripture was written, creation was the first scripture of God that he put something into existence to mark himself. You know that? And you see things like spring coming forth. These are reminders of who God is and what he does. Amen. So, so, so think about those things. But, but I, was, I was preparing my message for tonight. Something came on my heart. So I'm going to throw this out just, just real quick. Um, something dropped in my heart. So let me just say this, and then I'm going to get into what I want to talk about tonight. The Lord just dropped in my heart to tell some of you that you've got to stir yourself up. Whatever spot you were in, tough spot, just understand that wherever you are at right now, it is not the last line of the last chapter in your book. But you've got to stir yourself up. Whatever calling you've laid aside, whatever thing the Lord has called you to do and you've put it aside, it's time to stir yourself up. You're not too young. 
and this is what he impressed in my heart, you are not too old. Amen. Stir yourself up. Amen? Amen. So let that be a, a challenge tonight. I just throw it out. It dropped in my heart today. I wrote it down. Stir yourself up. I challenge myself with it. God doesn't stir you up. You know that? That'd be too easy. He don't invade your will like that. You have to stir yourself up. You have to connect into what he's willing to do when you stir yourself up. Amen? But you, you've got to stir yourself up. All right, that's all I'm going to say about that. Luke chapter 9, let's, let's go there. Luke chapter 9, we are relentless. If you were here last week, you heard pastor say this in talking about our values and our purpose. We are relentless in this upward relationship. It brings about continual change. And we should be awakened because we're empowered to outward impact. I want to talk a little bit about tonight about this relentless pursuit, this upward relationship that we were all called to with God. Amen? Yeah. Well, I'm going to look at it from, from a certain angle here. Luke chapter 9. And I'm, I'm going to go to verse 18. And it came to pass, he, as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him. And he, being Jesus, asked them, saying, Whom say the people that I am? And they answering said, John the Baptist. Some say Elias or Elijah. And others say, One of the old prophets is risen again. And he said unto them, he's taken them somewhere, amen. He said unto them, but who say ye that I am? And Peter, on the, on the rock that the church is built, in other words, this revelation right here. Peter answering said, the Christ of God. And straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing. In other words, it was not time to set into motion the things that were to happen at that point saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and the scribes and to be slain and be raised the third day. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life, shall lose it. But whoever lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. See, there's, there's a cycle that happens. It's very, very foundational, basic cycle of the Christian life. However it happens for the individual, they come to an understanding. They come to a revelation. How much they understand it, how full it is in their understanding at that moment. But there's a, a revelation that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Son of God. Amen. God it, it, something that crashes into your life or something that, that is sort of like a courtship that he has with you. But you come to a place that you, this, this revelation that Jesus is the Son of God. 
But the thing that immediately confronts you right after that is this whole thing is, I have to die on a cross, Jesus saying. Because for whatever reason, that is the plan. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be raised from the dead. But as it says right there, I will be slain. Now, kind of a, a, a stop right here. If before all this happened, God had sought your counsel and said, hey, how do you want to go about saving the world? What do you think we ought to do? I don't think in your mind you're going to say, well, I think it, the second person of the Trinity ought to be sent to the earth as a baby. Grow up, have this incredible ministry, then let the Romans crucify him. But we'll, we'll raise, don't worry, we'll raise him from the dead. It'll be all right. We'll be raised from the dead. But, but that is the, the action of how the world is being saved. That, that is how we're going to go about reclaiming this lost creation. I don't think any of us would have thought that. We would have been more militant about the thing. I, I, I don't know. Well, I'll tell you what, God. You go down there, just show up and say, how many of y'all believe in me? The ones that raise their hand, we'll part them over here. The ones that say, I don't know, we'll just kill them all. They say, we'll just take care of this right away. Spread it out. Right? I mean, we would have thought of something like that. I, I, think, I think not all of this would have been the grace and mercy approach. We would have been more of the, let's, let's just separate and get this done now and forget this whole thing. God's ways are, are rarely ever our ways, and they certainly are not the ways of man. Not the way we would conceive and think about and go about this business. So you're confronted right away with, I believe Jesus is the Christ, he's the Son of God, I have that revelation, and then I go, okay, I, I, I'm gonna, I guess I'm going to buy into your way of going about this business. And I'm going to buy into the fact that this is the best way to go about this business. Because you're immediately then confronted by another thing. So, if you really want to come after me, you must begin daily, today now, to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me because really what needs to happen is you must lose your life in order to have life. Amen. And immediately we're going, oh, I see you. if you're going to ask me how I want to do this, that's not what I'm going to pick. I don't know about this. Can't, can't we do this an easier way? Can, can we do this uh, what I would consider a, a better way? See, Jesus, and, and you got to understand, when he said, you're going to have to pick up your cross and follow me, it wasn't like the disciples got alone later and said, just by the way, guys, Jesus and he's over there praying. Listen, that whole pick up your cross thing, he, he, eventually when they write this thing they're going to call the Bible, they're all going to take it spiritually. It's going to a, be a cliche at some point. No, when he said that, it literally was a demand on their physical life. Right. Amen. 
It wasn't some spiritual cliche that they get to walk out something. It was demand on their physical life. These guys were not unaware of what a cross is. The Romans had crucified thousands of people. There was nobody that lived anywhere in the Roman world at that time that did not know exactly what a cross and the crucifixion was. When he called them, he said, this is demand on your life. It wasn't a spiritual cliche to them. They literally thought, he's really telling us we're going to have to die for this. You really want to follow me? Remember another point where Jesus was again foretelling his crucifixion? Remember what Peter did? Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, let's not do this. Remember what Jesus said to him? Get behind me, Satan. You, you have in mind the things of, of man, but not the things of God. Peter was like, there's a better way to do this. How about we just do the whole militant thing? Let, let's do, whoever follows you, everybody else, psh, let's wipe them out. We need to be about the things that are the mind of God. And we have to believe that they are the best way. So when Jesus says to us, you must daily deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me, that truly you may not understand why, you may not understand how, but this is the best way. This is how it needs to be done for me and you and us. See, see the purpose is life. Think about this. Notice Jesus said that after this denying yourself and picking up your cross and you've got to lose your life, why you gain life? God is the author of life. Amen. Pastor talks about two characteristics of God. He is the author of life and he is holy. And within the author of life, he is love. Right? Do you know that God is always putting life in front of you? No matter where you're at, he is putting life in front of you. How many times you've messed up, he is putting life in front of you. And how many times you've failed, he is always putting life in front of you because he is the giver of life. Always. He never leaves you in the dark spot. He's always giving you life. He gave you life. You breathe. I'm alive. We messed that whole deal up. So now he comes to give us new life, new creation. And in walking with him, we live out new life. And what's our, what was our reward? Eternal life. He's always put life in front of you. What is the way to life? That you deny yourself. That you pick up your cross daily. And you follow. What, what is... The Christian life, it is consistent, persistent, daily 
picking up your cross and walking the narrow road following Jesus. That is the Christian life. That is the life of faith. Because you would have never chose this. We often think of faith in trying to uh, have things that we want to choose. But before you get there, this is the kind of faith you have to choose. The consistent, persistent, daily picking up of your cross and walking the narrow road following Jesus. That is the basis of the Christian life. You go, you go to persecuted countries or countries where they persecute Christians and you get rubber meet the road Christianity, which is why it grows so much, by the way. Let's just say that. What is the Christian life about? And they'll tell you, I got to pick up my cross. They won't tell you all this other stuff that we have a tendency to talk about when it comes to the Christian life. They go right here. Because this, no matter what else you understand about the Christian life, and there's a lot, all these things that you can, you can chase after in the Christian life, and there is a lot, you cannot leave this. Because if you chase all this stuff and leave your cross somewhere, you're missing the point. A relentless upward relationship focuses on the fact that I must pick up my cross daily and follow him. You see, we would like certain things to kind of be the, the, the be-all things in our life. This church is not your be-all. We can't do everything to fix everything you need fixed. I've been, I've been doing this, this pastoring stuff since 1994, long time. And I, I learned pretty fast that I could not fix everybody, and I, so I quit trying. You could have the five-fold ministry gifts functioning in and around your life as, as, as much as possible, but it can't be your be-all. You can hear the greatest sermon that every time you show up to church, the prophet can come and call you out and give you the greatest word you ever heard personally over your life, but it's not your be-all. Your spouse, you can have the perfect marriage, it's not your be-all. You can have the best job in the world, the job that you've dreamed of, it's not your be-all. You can have all the money in the world, your bank account could be overflowing. You could have received a million-dollar check in the, in, in, the, in, the, in the mail today, and it was a blessing from God, but that is not your be-all. If you want the be-all in your life, you've got to pick up your cross and follow him. Because it is in this that you find life. You're not going to find life any other place. The church can help you. The five-fold ministry gift helps you. Your spouse can help you. Good job is nice. Having money is okay. But this is life. What's, what's the point? Because you get God. I mean, you, you right relationship, you get him. And that's enough, by the way. If you just have him, it, that's enough. You should, by the way, you should be in wonder and awe of the fact that you can have relationship with the God of all things. 
There's something sacred about that whole thing. I think we miss sometimes. But again, with God then comes life. Full life, abundant life. Abundant life in John is not about having things. Abundant life is the fullness of life coming alive in you. That's what abundant life is. Often we think about, about life as about having provision. No, it is right in here first and foremost, right here. Because you can have all the provision in the world, but if this is not happening here, it don't matter. This, this relentless relationship means I will relentlessly every day pick up the cross and follow him. That's life. I will be relentless daily because I know what it means. Death, death to life. It, has been, it is what has been set before me. Jesus saves me and he calls me to it. This revelation that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I have seen how you are going about saving this world. You yourself died. We're brought back to life. What that means for me, but, but the pattern is set for me. I must choose to follow. We need to talk a lot more about ongoing discipleship. What is ongoing discipleship? Be consistent, persistent, every day picking up the cross, walking the narrow road, following Jesus. Rubber meets the road, Christianity. You can do that in any environment. You can do that in any social status. You can do that in any country. You can do that no matter what you look like. Rubber meets the road. Everybody, if they choose to follow, can pick up their cross and follow Jesus. That is ongoing discipleship. I'm, I'm about the midway point of my life, and I don't like it. But I'm there. I want to know that if you add another 20 years on where I'm at, that I'm still in this process of consistent, persistent, daily picking up of a cross and following Jesus on the narrow road. I want to know that I will be doing that in 20 years because that's what it's about. I can't tell you where I will be. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. I don't know what I will look like. I know I won't have much hair, but I do know, I hope to know, that I will be daily picking up my cross and following Jesus. Amen. Amen. Just some different things I want to throw out. A couple, couple quick thoughts. I don't do this, and we do not do this, because we're trying to appease an angry God. As if he pulls the whip, pick your cross up, and just after us. 
Can God get angry? Yes. Is there wrath for unrepentant sin? Yes. But this is not the appeasement of an angry God. This is a God who loves us, who knows what's best for us, and wants us to do what is best for us. Amen. This is not about building brownie points with God. Well, maybe he'll love me more the more I try to pick up my cross and follow him. No, it's not about building brownie points. It is what is best for us. It's not to earn anything. You don't earn nothing from him. You can't earn things from God. It's not about earning anything. This is a calling. He calls, he calls consistently, follow me. He, do, he doesn't say, okay, first I want you to take this theological test. I want to know that you understand all these theological things. He's not interested in, in, in you trying to clean up certain things first. He's not interested in anything but saying, follow me. Amen. We, start, we start to take this, and then you go, oh, wait, but there's something about following me. Pick the cross up. You've got to die to yourself. Yeah. It, is, it is a calling that we must answer each and every day. Right. Notice, he, it wasn't a mistake when he threw deny yourself daily. He, daily was not a mistake in the text there. It wasn't something the scribes threw in later. It wasn't a translation error at some point in the medieval times. Daily was the word he used because it's a daily call on your life to follow him. Will you be relentless in this upward relationship that calls you to a daily picking up of your cross? That's a question you've got to answer every single day. Will you follow True life is found there. And by the way, it's about us together. You're not called to do this on your own. A, you have the Holy Spirit. Best partner you can find. Amen. The counselor, the comforter, guides you in all truth. Amen. But then you've got all these other people. Because we're in this together. We're growing together. We're helping one another. We help one another pick up our cross. Encourage one another. We pray for one another. We bear one another's burdens. Simon and Cyrene, when you start to falter with your cross, somebody can come along and help you carry it down the road for a while until you get your footing back. Amen. We're in this together. We can't forget that. This is not, this is not a by-yourself venture. That's right. This is us together venture. Amen. Amen. This is not cheap grace. I borrow that terminology from a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer lived, uh, he, he, he was a pastor in Germany in the rise of, of the Nazis, one of the great theologians of our time. 
when, when, I'll just tell you a brief snippet of, of him. Book, one of his many, many, many books, Cost of Discipleship, about a 300-page book. It's a good one. Rise of Nazi Germany, Hitler tried to consolidate power, came with that. He tried to bring a united of all the church together under his nationalism and his platform. And he got a lot of them that support the churches, Protestant and Catholic, supported what he was doing. But then there was a group of guys called the Confessing Church that said, yeah, no way. First of all, we ain't buying your nationalism. We're certainly not buying into this, this dream that you have. Bonhoeffer was one of the leaders of the Confessing Church. Left Germany, he came back, and one of the last uh, groupings of people that, that the Nazis executed before they lost power, he was one of them. Lost his life. He wrote about cheap grace. And if anybody understands it, he would. In all the things he says about cheap grace, he says cheap grace is grace without discipleship. That we want all the things that grace would give us, but we don't want to pick up a cross and follow. Cheap grace. That we want all these benefits that we think we can get from God. But when he says, follow me, deny yourself and pick up your cross, he says, yeah, I don't know about that. Just, just forgive me my sins. That's good enough for me. We don't want to be a people who walk around trying to get cheap grace. We want grace in its fullness, but in the fullness of grace, it calls us. Listen, what does grace give you? Grace gives you what you don't deserve, and the ultimate end of grace is always life. Is that correct? So in grace is picking up your cross, because what does the cross give you? Life. When you are dying to yourself, you are gaining life in its place. That is the work of grace. Right? Cheap grace tries to get out of this. This is not cheap grace. But by the way, Romans chapter 6. Can we throw that one up there, please? Kind of a little bit what I'm talking about. Romans chapter, this is, this is in the context of sin, but, but it goes here. Romans, I'm going to go down through verse 4. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead in sin live in it therein, longer, any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism and death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Cheap grace says, I want grace, but I want to keep on living my way, how I want to do it, stay in sin. We want forgiven for things we have no intention of changing. Grace says, you were baptized into his death. That means you got to die too. Come back to what? To live this newness of life that he's always putting in front of you. Yes. Newness of life. No cheap grace. Come on. 
There was worry. It's not in some of the, some of the things that I've read. There was worry that in the future we were heading towards what Bonhoeffer called cheap grace. We were headed towards this thing that that, that Christianity was something that we thought was easily achieved. It is because it's a free gift. But what they were talking about was not wanting to do this. And we've hit there in certain levels. No cheap grace. This is not about glitz. It's not fashionable. Nothing glitzy about carrying your cross. You wouldn't have to say this in a lot of countries, but in the United States of America, we have to say this. This is not glitzy, nor is it fashionable. The things that you must do to carry your cross, it's not glitzy, it's not fashionable, it's, it's just not something that, that, that's ultimately popular. Shouldn't, if, if, if this kind of thing in Christianity became popular, I would say we're probably doing it wrong. The things that he calls us to, we'll talk a little bit in just a, a couple moments about what it means to pick up your cross in, in our life. But, but for instance, how many know that prayer is something you should be about in your life? That, that's part of picking up your cross. We'll talk about that. Matthew 6, Jesus talks about prayer. Maybe an example of something we do, there's no glitz to it. So when you pray, is what Jesus says, my, my paraphrase here. Go into your closet and shut the door. And when the Father sees what you do in secret, he will reward you. But if you want to do this stuff so people pat you on the back, think you're spiritual, well, then that's the reward you get, but you get no reward from me. There ain't nothing glitzy about praying in secret and nobody sees you when nobody thinks you're spiritual. Nothing glitzy about fasting and not doing it in a way that, that, that people see, oh, you're, you're fasting, you must be spiritual. We'll bless your heart. Nothing glitzy about this stuff. Nothing glitzy about, about fighting the flesh inside of you when, it, when you're drawn to temptation and you have to deny yourself. There's nothing glitzy about that. We, we've got to stop thinking everything's a social media moment so everybody can see what I'm doing. Amen. So I get a lot of likes for what I'm doing. This, this is rubber meets the road. You and God. And what he's doing inside of you to change you and mold you and shape you. Amen. Nothing glitzy and fashionable about it. You know, you know what's something else it's not? It's not sign-seeking or the sum of your experiences. Let me explain what I mean by that. I'll give you an example. Pastor Ed told me a story a few years ago. This was a long time ago. He told me the story of, of a man who had an amazing, incredible experience with God. This, this man had uh, such back problems that he was on uh, work, work. He couldn't work. They literally implanted pain packs in his skin, constantly feeding him pain medicine. This guy had an experience experience with God, God healed his body. 
incredible experience. Um, and no doubt about it, experience. I mean, no doubt about it. They, they took this stuff out of his. I mean, no doubt about it. And then he, he goes MIA from the church. That don't, that don't necessarily mean anything, but as, as Pastor Ed is, he goes knock on this guy's door, just check in. Remember telling me this story? He, he pulls up, gets out of his car, and this, this, this person is mowing his yard with a push mower. He's still got it, all right? He's, he's mowing his yard. He looks up, sees Ed, and just starts booking. He literally just leaves the mower and runs. That story you told me? Because he, he did not want to hear accountability for his life. Listen. You could have the most incredible experience with God tonight, but tomorrow you still have to pick up your cross and follow Jesus. An experience doesn't make you a disciple. It is following Jesus that makes you a disciple. Some of the sign-seeking stuff we get into. I'll give you another example. I'm almost done. Uh, When I first went into ministry... Church in Pennsylvania, this phenomenon called gold dust started happening. How many ever know what I'm talking about? In, in worship settings, it, this, this glittery stuff, they, they, they thought it was gold, falling from the ceiling and, and being in, in the worship, they, they felt it was like this uh, uh, physical manifestation of the Shekinah glory or something like that. So it turned into this thing to the point that people started speaking it as if gold dust didn't show up in your worship conference or whatever it was, that God didn't show up all the way. Now, I don't doubt that God did those things. But I do doubt that it makes you a disciple just because you saw stuff from the sky and it fell on your hand. You, you could have a whole jar of that stuff sitting in your room. You could shake it like a snow globe every day. That's wonderful. You saw God do something miraculous, but you still have to pick up your cross Amen. and follow him. Amen. We don't run around seeking all these signs. You've got to pick your cross up. Amen. You're not going to stand before God someday and you say, whoa, Lord, you didn't see I was there when gold dust fell. He's going to be like, oh, that was just nice, and that wasn't even me. But anyway, it, but I'll, I'll tell a story. We were at a youth conference. This is why it's kind of funny. I, I don't doubt that it happened. I have some, some people that I trust very much talk to me about some things. But it turns weird because we were at a youth conference. This is early on in my ministry, and there were some students running around. Oh, gosh, gold dust fell out. Here, here's, here's, this is just why things get weird. There were some girls that had some bath and body works lotion that had sparkly stuff in it. And we're shaking hands, greeting, and all of a sudden everybody thought they had gold dust. Because they're they're working so hard to see a sign that they're making stuff up, and it's silly. Stop seeking this stuff. If God wants to do something amazing, let him do it. But don't look for it. Don't chase it. Don't run to this conference at Timbuktu because, well, they're seeing some stuff there. I better go get it. No. Pick up your cross and follow him. Amen. 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 
That's what makes you a disciple, not because you were at so many conferences where all this stuff happened. Pick up your cross. We make Christianity about all this other stuff sometimes. Stop. Rubber meets the road. A consistent, persistent, daily, deny yourself, pick up your cross, walk the narrow road following Jesus. That is a relentless pursuit of God because he's the one who's leading you and it brings you true life. So, in the midst of our busyness and all the things we've got going on in our lives, our jobs, our marriages, raising our kids, doing the best we can do, what does it mean to pick up your cross? And can, that can just be so cliche. Okay, I'm going to do that tomorrow. Okay, now what do I do? That every day you make purposeful decisions that say, I need you, God, today to live this life. You make purposeful decisions to connect with him. You pray. You study and get into scripture, the word. You fast when the Lord sparks your heart. You worship. You come together in the gathering of the saints. These are purposeful decisions that invite God into your life and say, I need you today. And every day picking up your cross is that when temptation comes your way with the help of the Holy Spirit, you deny yourself. That's picking up your cross. And every day picking up your cross is when you're faced with decisions that you bring the counsel of the Lord into it. You pray and ask for wisdom in the decisions you make because it's a way to live as a believer. That you start looking at your actions and your reactions. Are these Christ-like? If not, I must change and I'm going to work on it. That is picking up your cross. It's being honest with yourself. It is the understanding that, that true life, and we see things in Scripture that mark true life. Fruit of the Spirit. Listen to this list. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I pick up my cross when I see things about me that don't line up with that, and I am working with the help of the Holy Spirit to become those things. That new creation must start to come out. When he calls me to be meek so I can inherit the earth, am I meek? When he calls me to be a peacemaker because I will be called the son of God, am I a peacemaker? When he calls me to love my neighbor and I don't get to choose who that is, am I loving my neighbor? Am I loving my enemy? These are things that mark those that are picking up their cross and following Jesus because they're losing this old way of living and this new way of living comes in even when we go, well, Lord, I'm not sure if that's going to work. 
Because remember, at the start, he calls you to do something that most people don't think is going to work. We, 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 with the help and the conviction of the Holy Spirit through Scripture and our growth together, our admonishment and encouragement of one another, we are in the process of becoming something. That is picking up your cross and following Jesus. Because you know what? The way can be narrow and the way can be hard. But Jesus is the one that's leading us. So guess what? We have what we need to do what he's asking us to do. In everyday decisions, I want the fullness of life to run wild inside of you. So much that it's overflowing and spilling out and we well, well, then we're a light to the world. But it doesn't have, you, you can't shortcut the process, you can't get around it, you can't do it another way. The way to the fullness of life is by picking up your cross and dying to yourself. He must become greater. John the Baptist, remember? He must become greater. It's what he said about Jesus. He must become greater. I must become less. Amen? So, how many of you tonight, you have revelation in your life that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? He is the Christ. He, he, who has that revelation? Let me see. I want to know. How many of you believe that the way that he is reclaiming this world, saving this world, is through his death on a cross and the resurrection thereafter? How many believe in that? Are you going to stop there? Well, now he's calling, follow me. Are you willing to pick this up? Are you, are you willing to be long-term disciples of Christ? Long obedience in the same direction, narrow road. Lord, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you did die on a cross for us. That your way of saving this world came through your death. Backed up and, 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 and bookmarked by the resurrection. And through these things, life is available. I pray that we as a church, that we are relentless in the pursuit of an upward relationship with you that is marked by answering a call to follow you every day, to pick up our cross every day, to deny ourselves every day, to be in the process of dying to ourselves. Because 
you know what's best for us to have life. I pray for those that need encouragement tonight, that they're encouraged. For those that were ready to throw in the towel, that they don't. For those that, that the doubt was, was knocking them back and forth like the waves of the sea that you reassure yourself in their hearts tonight. For those that felt they have failed too many times to keep going, that you, you show them once again tonight your forgiveness that you're putting life in front of them. Maybe for those of us tonight, it's been so long, so long since they carried their cross that they stir themselves up to pick it up tonight and follow you. We just thank you tonight because you want us to have life. We choose life because we choose you. So once again, as we close, we just worship you and we praise you and we will follow you for your glory. In Jesus' name, everybody says, Amen. Amen. Amen.